Good morning. I'm Arjun Singh from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, February 5th. In today's news, pharmaceutical firm Johnson & Johnson submitted its single-shot vaccine to the FDA. And transportation agencies step up COVID-19 safety mandates with support from the federal government. But first, the big idea. President Biden is flexing his muscle as the nation's commander-in-chief with a series of moves this week that have not only drawn a sharp contrast to his predecessor, but also aimed to reduce former President Donald Trump's influence on the federal government. This week, Biden signed executive orders that could begin a process to undo aspects of Trump's immigration program, including a review of the notorious public charge rule, which allow authorities to deny green cards to any immigrant who could utilize public benefits. And on Thursday, Biden drew another stark contrast between him and Trump when he recommitted the United States to global alliances that had become a hallmark of American foreign policy since the end of World War II. The Post, Anne Guerin, John Hudson, and Missy Ryan report that in his first major foreign policy address, the president promised to counter authoritarianism and pledged to end American support for offensive operations in Yemen. In a rebuke of Trump's brand of foreign policy, Biden said, quote, America is back, diplomacy is back, and vowed that the nation would rebound from the attempted insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last month. Biden said the nation is, quote, stronger, more determined, and better equipped to unite the world in fighting to defend democracy because we have fought it for ourselves. In his speech, Biden pledged to implement a foreign policy that will confront human rights abuses, tyranny, and intolerance in China, Russia, and Myanmar. Speaking directly to American diplomats, he said, quote, I'll have your back. In an effort to return America to a position of global leadership, Biden also announced a policy of support for LGBTQ plus rights worldwide. Meanwhile, emboldened Democrats in the House and Senate are greasing the wheels for a massive coronavirus relief package to move through Congress with or without the support of their Republican colleagues. And on Thursday, the House expelled controversial Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee assignments in a bold gambit that Republicans said could create a dangerous precedent for the House. But Democrats were unmoved by cries from their Republican colleagues that they were unfairly using their influence to simply punish Republicans. My colleague Mike DeBonis reports that speaking in the House, Majority Leader Steny Hoyer displayed the blown-up image of a Facebook post Green posted in September, which shows Green standing next to the images of three House Democrats with an assault rifle in hand. When you take this vote, imagine your face is on this poster. Imagine it's a Democrat with an AR-15. Imagine what your response would be, he said. But while the partisanship was on fierce display, some signs of bipartisanship are emerging. Eleven Republicans joined Democrats to strip Green of her committee assignments. And in the Senate, my colleague Jeff Stein reports that Republican Mitt Romney proposed providing at least $3,000 per child to millions of American families, a move that received support from several Democrats. Romney's proposal shows that there's substantial bipartisan agreement around expanding child benefits, said Ernie Tedeschi, an economist who served in the Treasury Department under President Barack Obama. A permanent expansion along the lines of what Senator Romney or President Biden have proposed would be among the most pro-family, anti-poverty policies in a generation, Tedeschi said. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. 
Pharmaceutical giant Johnson & Johnson submitted its single-shot coronavirus vaccine to U.S. regulators Thursday afternoon for emergency use authorization after the vaccine was shown to be robustly effective against illness in a global trial, and especially at preventing severe disease and death. The Post, Carolyn Y. Johnson and Lori McGinley report that in a news release, the company said its vaccine is 66% effective overall at preventing moderate to severe illness in a global clinical trial. It offered the best protection against severe cases of disease, proving 85% effective. The data has not yet been peer-reviewed or published, but will be carefully reviewed by career FDA scientists and an external panel of experts who will determine its safety. If the vaccine follows the same path as the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines that were authorized last year, the panel would consider the data near the end of the month, and the FDA could act quickly after receiving the panel's deliberations. In the meantime, the FDA said Thursday it will propose draft guidelines on how manufacturers of the coronavirus vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostic tests should deal with new variants of the virus. Number two, President Biden's mask mandate has sent a signal to government agencies across the country that could lead to stronger enforcement of mask mandates within the public transportation sector. My colleague Michael Laris reports, in Oklahoma City, passengers on the city's public transit have been required to wear masks since July. But enforcement has been minimal, partially out of fear of retribution from the federal government. But after Biden implemented his mask mandate, the calculus in Oklahoma City changed. Signs are being prepared warning passengers who won't mask up that they could face penalties for breaking federal law. And the transit agency said violators will be put on its do-not-ride list, which is considered a bigger stick than wielding a fine. It's all part of a renewed effort by local governments and the federal government to curb the spread of coronavirus amongst transportation workers. Flight attendants and bus drivers have been harassed, beaten, attacked while carrying out their job duties, trying to protect themselves and their other passengers from those who refuse to wear a face mask, Peter A. DeFazio, chairman of the House Transportation Committee, said at a hearing on Thursday. And during Thursday's hearing, transportation workers shared stories of feeling threatened and endangered while doing their jobs due to a lack of enforcement. I am constantly checking the mirror, making sure that riders are keeping their masks on, said Ismael Rivera, a driver for the Orlando bus company, Lynx. I'm a bus driver, not a police officer. I don't need political debates on my bus, but that's the way things are right now, he said. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is expected to meet with transportation workers at Washington's Union Station today to discuss masks and virus relief efforts. And at Thursday's hearing, Greg Regan, secretary-treasurer of the 33-Union Transportation Trades Department of the AFL-CIO, summed up the feelings of many of the transportation workers in the room when he said to lawmakers, This kind of mandate, backed and enforced by the federal government, can mean the difference between life and death. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, February 5th. I'm Arjun Singh. Thanks for listening.